Hello again, everybody. Uh, hi, Lou. Hi, how are we doing? Good, good. <laughs> so um, today we are going to be doing session number 28 for those who are listening to this on a podcast. Yes. And we are going to be covering the Gita, uh, chapter 2, verses 60, right through 66. And I find this to be a lot of fun, these next uh, few verses. Uh, because it's very important to understand how we function. And this particular verse, verse 60, basically talks about how these senses can carry away the mind. Yeah. And then verse 67, when we get to that, essentially says that when the senses carry away the mind, how the mind can carry away the intellect. And when the intellect and the mind are both gone, is when these very famous people that we've been seeing on the news, politicians <laughs> yep. and famous people, do crazy things that gets them into big trouble and their life spirals out of control. This Why is the, that happens? This is the basic human struggle, right? That's the basic yeah. human struggle. And you look at it and you say, and, and I'm guilty of it too. It's not sure. that any one of us is, um, any one of us is exempt from it. Every one of us can fall for it. It's just a matter of how much these senses can take away the mind and how far the mind can take away the intellect. So in verse 60, chapter 2, um, Krishna says, the turbulent senses of even a wise man, even a wise man, while striving, indeed forcibly carry away his mind. Yes. So what he's saying is that you could be striving you could be a wise man meaning a self-realized person striving hard but the senses can be so turbulent like a storm that it can forcibly carry away your mind so the scriptures including the gita upanishads basically talks of this as a boat in a stormy ocean the wind pushing it so that the captain and the compass basically cannot control it. Right. Where the, the wind is considered, uh, the ocean is the world, the boat is us, mm -hmm. the captain is the intellect, um, and the wind and the forces of the temptations and the ones that the sense objects get uh, right. turbulent by. So... The turbulent senses of even a wise man carry away the mind. And in this, as I said before, verse 60, it's saying how the senses can carry away the mind and we succumb to that. So the world makes today's sense organs and sense objects even more and more attractive as we stay in this area. It's not like you're staying in some remote village or going into the Himalayas where you don't see it. Right. Here, every glossy magazine, every TV commercial, every billboard has makes it so attractive that you keep looking and say, oh. And wherever one's weakness is, is the one that is exploited. So right. if you watch on TV, it's not just one sense that they're after. They show a nice glass of frosty beer, <laughs> right? And you say, oh, wow. They show now at least they've stopped showing cigarettes right. That's against the law. But the alcohol they still show. They show food, especially in the evenings, right. when they know people are tempted to 
uh, eat. They show the food. They show beautiful paradise-like vacations. Right. And you say, wow, so whatever can attract you. So the And it's even are, worse on social media because they start to target you. They understand what you're searching and what you're talking that's about. That's right. And they that's bring you right. the things that you're particularly susceptible to. Good point. That yeah. you now, as you go towards social media, friends, you are going to be targeted because the social media knows what your weaknesses are. And then people succumb to that. So the senses are extremely powerful. They carry away your mind. Even a strong, wise person can be carried away. Vedanta doesn't say, don't give in to your senses. Vedanta says senses are meant for your enjoyment. You cannot be completely away from your senses, right. but use your intellect, strengthen your intellect to control your mind so that your sense organs can participate with its use in a very controlled manner. These sense organs are meant for enjoyment, but even those sense organs should not allow you to carry your mind away. So the uh, scriptures talk of various species and how they get attracted and how they die with this. So they talk of the various sense organs. So light, moths are yeah. attracted to light. So they go towards the light and they die. Fish are attracted to bait mm -hmm. and they go and catch the hook and they die. That's the tongue. Deer are attracted to sound. When they hear sound, they run towards the sound and they die. A bee is attracted to nectar and goes into the flower and the uh, flower closes on it and the bee dies. Elephants are attracted to the smell of female elephants and they fall into the ditch and they are captured. Problem with human beings is it's not just one organ. Right. Human beings, we're attracted to all five senses and more because just the mind and the intellect gets attracted to somebody who speaks wisely or who makes sense or who uh, sings very beautifully, those kind of things. Um, that doesn't mean that from tonight you give up everything or that we say, okay, that's it. You know, my sense organs say I like spicy food, so I'm going to eat only boiled food from tonight. No, right. it says use your intellect to control what it is that your sense organs want from you. Don't indulge. Control yourself and stay away from bad company. That's a key thing. Yeah. If, if, you, if you have a certain weakness, as I talked before in our last sessions, you have to identify what are your weaknesses. Just like social media, as you were saying, Luke, right. identifies what are your weaknesses, what you like. You have to identify what you like and then stay away from that as much as possible. Some people have a weakness for food. Hmm. Other people are very strong when it comes to food. They can control themselves because food is not their weakness. Right. Um, uh, those people may have weakness for things to see with uh, their eyes. TV, for instance. They yep. say, I can stay away from food, but you turn on the TV <laughs> and I cannot stop watching it. Right. Others have no temptation for any sense objects, right? Because they're not at the body level. You remember we talked about the body, yeah. then the mind, right. and then the intellect. So at the body level, as the five sense organs, at the mind level is likes, dislikes, emotions, love, family, children. Mm -hmm. So those people, they say, I, I don't get, I have great control over my appetite, my food. I don't like TV. I don't like music. But my children are my weakness. My yeah. grandchildren are my weakness. 
Those are the attachments that they have to control. And the last person who is more intellectual says, I, I don't care about children, grandchildren. I, I'm a I like them, but, you know, I'm not attached to them. Yeah. I don't care about the sense organs. I've got completely under my control. But to them, their intellect says reputation, fame, uh, power yeah. is very, very important. So they say, wow, if I throw a party, I have to throw the best party around. But what are people going to say? Ego, right? Ego. Yeah. Um, they're feeling that people should not say anything bad of them. I have a position as president. I don't want to give that up. I don't want to ever retire. So that, those kind of things is their weakness. So that is verse 60. Now, Verse 60, we talked about how the senses can carry away the mind and cause you to do things that are foolish. Verse 61 says, having control... So now, remember, verse 60, the senses carry away the mind. Verse 67, he's going to talk about how the mind can carry away the intellect. Mm. In the meantime, between 61, 62, 63, 64, 65, and 66, he's going to talk about the intellect and how to strengthen it. Okay. So... Verse 61 says, having controlled them all, he should sit focused on me, me meaning the Atman, the self, consciousness, yep. God, as supreme. Therefore, his wisdom is established indeed, whose senses are under control. So only when you have complete control over your senses and your mind are you ready for meditation. Until that time, you're not. Right. Because otherwise, you can meditate but you're not really meditating because your thoughts are constantly on what you hear, what you smell, right. what your mind is racing, etc. Is, is meditation a tool to be able to do that, or do you need to accomplish that before you can even meditate? You need to accomplish yeah. this before you can meditate. I mean, as you get further along in control of your mind, you are more ready for meditation. But right. to be fully ready, you've got to get rid of all of your temptations. Right. Nothing should anger you. Nothing should bother you. So if you learn that you're, you fly off the handle very easily, you know that you have desires that when they're blocked, you yeah. get angry. So that needs to be controlled, your desires. Only when you've controlled them all are you ready for, fully ready for meditation. But as you get there, it's not like one day, boom, you're ready for meditation right. that you weren't the day before. It happens slowly, gradually, and you can start to meditate, but get better and better as time goes on. So the first thing one should ask oneself is, where do I lose control? Is it food? Is it alcohol? Is it, is it which sense is my weak one? Which combination of senses? In the scriptures, in the Hindu scriptures, Woman is the biggest temptation. They say woman. Yeah. When they say woman, at that time they were talking about woman for man, but they also mean a man for a woman. Right. Because after all, all five senses are titillated by a woman, plus the mind. The mind falls in love with the woman. Right. The intellect says, oh, she's so intelligent. I love having conversations with her. So not only the five senses are affected by this person and weakened, but also the mind and the intellect. So you have to say which sense is your weak one, which senses, combination of them are your weak, which emotions 
are your emotions towards your children, your spouse, your partner, love, your grandchildren? How about your intellect? Does that weaken you? A desire for fame, for reputation, as we said before. Right. And it all boils down to sense control. Sense control. So three things that we need to keep in mind with this, and this is why I think that these verses are very important. One is location, second is company, and the third is time of day. So location, you say, where are my weaknesses for these sense the worst, right? right. So alcoholic is most tempted in a bar, right. least tempted when he's in the company of an AA group. A gambler, most tempted, tempted in a casino or when a bunch of his friends are sitting down playing poker. Right. Stay away from those situations. Any location that is going to cause you temptation, stay away. In India, there's what we call satsang, means the company of good people who have good intentions and talk good things. You need to go on a daily basis. They have satsang every day, every evening. You get together. Mm -hmm. uh, for satsang. And then you hear either scriptures or songs that are devotional. You find, just like with AA, you find that there are there is a satsang that you enjoy. Somebody's going to give a lecture that you say, I like this lecturer. He gives good lectures. Yeah. I go there, come away feeling clean. That is the location. Company, same thing. The kind of guys that are going to cause you to fall prey to your senses, right. you've got to stay away from. Mm -hmm. Kind of people, satsang, that brings you up, stay close to them. Time of day. Very important that the scriptures basically talk of a sattva, a rajas, and tamas, which we'll get into as, as we go further along. Tamas is laziness. Have we talked about this, Luke? A little bit. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah I haven't heard tamas, that word, but we've talked about this a little bit, yeah. Tamas is laziness, indulgence, um, lethargy. And this tamas goes not just for us as humans, but also food. You can be tamasic about your uh, gift giving, your charity, uh, what you eat. Uh, all kinds of things have tamas. All kinds of things have rajas. Rajas means full of activity full of energy. And um, sattva is equanimous, steady, peaceful, calm, right. yet very dynamic. So it says that in the daytime, an hour or so before sunrise, so typically they say 4 a.m., 4 a.m. to sunrise is considered Brahma Muhurta. Muhurta means a special time, a um, devote. Uh, devoted time. Um, Muhurta, Brahma is God. Mm -hmm. And so this is Brahma Murta between 4 a.m. and 6 a.m. or 3.30 a.m. and 6, uh, 6 o'clock in the morning. When Gautam Jain used to tell us to wake up early at that time, I said, I can't wake up that early. <laughs> now I look forward to it. Yeah. As you see from my emails to you, sometimes I send you emails and messages at yes. like 3 4 o'clock in the morning <laughs> it's a great time i get up and i do studies and feels great something we know that certain hormones are secreted before bedtime we do know that right um, scientifically medically we know that there are hormones secreted at that time that endorphins are so on are so good um 
we also know that the temp that is the sattvic time between 4 a.m. and 6 a.m. Your mind is the most steady and the least rigid. I know that from personal experience. If I'm studying from 4 a.m. to 6 a.m., my mind is calm. I can study. I can focus. As sunrise starts to come and after it sunrises, my mind starts to think about the day. Right. You'll notice it if you wake up early. At after the sun rises, you start to think. Who do I have to call today? What do I have to do? Wasn't I supposed to call such and such? You know, right. those kind of rajasic thoughts of action come about. From sunrise to sunset is all about wanting to do things. After sunset till 4 a.m. is the tamasic time. That's when you say, I want to have a drink. I want to sit down and have spicy food. I want to have food that is not good for me. Just be <laughs> lazy, put my feet up, yep. watch TV gamble, you know, those kind of things, thoughts and temptations come about. So what the scripture said was, go to bed early and wake up early. Yeah. If you go to bed early, like, what is that saying? Um, early to bed, early to rise makes a person healthy, wealthy, and wise. That's right. Very true. <laughs> so go to bed early. You're getting rid of a big chunk of the tamasic time. What the scriptures say is that Today, we are waking up later and later, and we are sleeping right through the sattvic time, and we're staying awake through the tamasic time. So right. at that time, you know, people are studying while they're having sips of beer. It doesn't work. No. You, you know, uh, whatever temptation is your worst, you've got to be able to control it. This is the one thing you can do which is external. Right. Throughout everything that we have been talking about so far, all the changes are internal. You say, I've got to think of the self. I've got to think of controlling my temptation. This is one thing that you can do that is external, meaning wake up at a certain time, go to bed at a certain time. Right. Um, there is even alcoholics. Right. They have a less tendency to drink between 4 a.m. and 6 a.m. Right. You offer them a drink. Right. They might refuse you at that time. But they won't refuse you at 7 o'clock in the evening, 8 o'clock in the evening, 10 o'clock in the evening. They won't. That's when the temptation is the greatest. Even casinos, they yeah. have to close for a couple of hours. The time that they close is during the Brahma Murta because they say the least amount of people come down to gamble at that time. They're all sleeping or away from the casinos. So even they recognize what is the Brahma Murta. Okay, verse 60. Two and 63 are basically taken together, usually, and though together they call the ladder of fall. So verse 62, a man musing on objects develops attachment to them. From the attachment arises desire, from desire arises anger, mm -hmm. from anger arises delusion, from delusion arises confusion of memory, loss of intellect, and from loss of intellect he perishes. We've talked about this. Yes. That a man is really the self, consciousness, God. Internally, he is a state of complete bliss and infinite happiness. He doesn't know it. So because he's unknowing of that, he turns to the world, and that is a state of not completeness. A state of complete happiness is when he's with the self. Our thoughts keep running to the world till this void we think is going to be fulfilled, but it never gets fulfilled. Right. 
If the intellect does not supervise those thoughts running towards the world, they grow to awful proportions. Mm. So the example I gave in the last session was a man working in an office with women, and he sees a woman that's attractive, and at first glance, he just looks at her, crosses, and then he does a double take and says, <laughs> wow, she's attractive. That is the first thought. If he then continues with that thought, it becomes an attachment. What is an attachment? An attachment means that now zeroes in and he keeps having his thoughts right. go to that person. That attachment then becomes a delusion, a desire, mm -hmm. then a delusion, and then that delusion goes on into greater proportions, completely disregards any danger to himself, to his company, his job, his marriage, etc., and gets into trouble. We've all, you lose your, hmm? <laughs> We've all been Sorry? there. <laughs> yeah. You lose your memory is what this 63rd verse says. He doesn't mean that you forget. You know, you don't forget. What he means is you lose your memory of where you are in your station in life, what right. your position is. You lose that and you start doing crazy things. You make huge mistakes and your life goes down the tube. That's basically what this ladder of fall is. Verse 64, um, where we learned before was that a thought, a single thought gets to a strong desire, then becomes anger if it's thwarted, then a delusion, then you forget what's right and wrong for you and you can be destroyed, right? The triple gates of hell is what we talked about in the last uh, session. That's yes. what the Gita says. Verse 64 says, but the self-controlled man, self-controlled, these are important verses, uh, words, self-controlled man, free from likes and dislikes, moving about his senses, which are under his control, attains peace. So he talks of control twice here. He right. says the self-controlled man with his senses under control, free from likes and dislikes, moving about, attains peace. So he's saying a number of things here in one sentence. Moving about the objects means you don't have to stay away or go to the Himalayas. You have to be in the world where these senses are going to be facing you. Right. But you don't have to indulge indiscriminately. You have to be vigilant with your intellect saying, okay, I can indulge to this extent, I can indulge to this extent. The example I gave earlier was of a diabetic whose doctor has said, look, you cannot eat sweets. If his sugar is beyond his control, he has to stop eating sweets completely. Right. If his doctor says, hey, you're doing great for the last few months, you're really doing good, you can allow yourself a little bit of sweets every so often. Then, within reason, his intellect says, okay, you haven't had anything sweet right. for the last three days. Your sugar's been under good control. I'll allow yourself a little bit. So key here is the word self-control, self right? Self-control means free from likes and dislikes. Right. So there's three concepts here that we're going to talk about. One is likes and dislikes. Second is the intellect allowing us to go to certain indulgences, not beyond that. And the third is lingering. Okay, let's do those three. Yes. What do likes and dislikes mean? The actions have to be based on our control of our mind and our senses under the control of the intellect, which is the tortoise shell, 
not on your likes and dislikes, but usually in our lives, what do we do? I know I'm guilty of this with my grandchildren. You like this, have it. You yeah. don't like it, that's okay. Don't have to eat it. Right. You don't like this, you don't want to do that, okay, no problem. Don't go to sleep at this time. You go to sleep <laughs> when you like. Will you do whatever you like? Yeah. So we foster likes and we push away dislikes. We never give the child or the adult the ability to be able to deal with likes. And what does the mind do? The mind likes what gives it instant pleasure. This is the key thing to remember. That's right. Anything that gives it instant pleasure, the mind likes. Anything that gives it delayed gratification or pleasure, the mind does not like. So we know that exercise is good for you. And we know that we must exercise, but it's painful in the beginning. Right. It's great as you get used to it and you feel good when you do exercise. But in the beginning, it's painful, so you don't like it, even though you know it's going to be gratifying later on. Right. So the first is to get past your likes and dislikes. And that's what he says in this, free from likes and dislikes. The intellect decides how much is okay for us and how much is not okay. So the second thing that we talked about is that the, int so the first thing was likes and dislikes. The second is the intellect decides how much of this is okay and how much is not okay. And the third thing is lingering. So if I go to a restaurant and have a weakness for food and I go to a restaurant and I love the food that I had there, the dinner was fantastic. Right. You've, if I, I come away from that restaurant, I've got to push it out of my mind. Don't allow my mind to keep lingering on that memory of that experience and don't keep talking about it because it does a number of things. Number one, it makes that to a high level, it puts it on a stage, that experience, so that when you go back, more than more than likely you're gonna say, I really, it didn't meet the criteria right. the first time, because yes. I built it up to such an extent. Mm -hmm. Second thing that it does is, as I'm talking about it, that lingering, it fosters greater desire to wanna to go back. Right, starts or the cycle do, again, right? Starts the cycle again, you mm -hmm. develop more desires we're trying to get away from desires here right right that's what this whole thing is about to get away from desire so that you can uh be peaceful and it's interesting you say that it starts the desire again but it also has a higher bar to meet for that desire so it's likely to fail it's likely to fail because yeah. no matter what you you built it up to such an extent right. that you go back to that restaurant and say, eh, it's not as good as it was the last time because the last time you have this imagination that it was so good so lingering also prevents you from enjoying your present action. So as I'm lingering on it, if I'm doing my work, I come back to the office from the restaurant and I'm doing my work. If my mind is lingering on the meal, I'm not doing my work as well. So that also, I'm not enjoying my right. present work. And because of that, I'm not doing it as well as I could because my mind is preoccupied with that. Right. You strengthen the desire so that you wanna keep going back there again and you don't experience, enjoy that experience as much because you built it up to such a level. So lingering is not good. All of us have what we call swadharma. You remember, um, Lou, we talked about this before, that each one of us has what is known as a swadharma. Dharma means the inherent qualities of something. Mm -hmm. So sugars, 
the dharma of sugar is its sweetness. Right. That's its inherent quality. Each one of us has a certain dharma. A dharma. The main dharma is for us to get back to ourselves, to look for our own self, the true self. But in addition, each one of us has, we're born with certain likes and dislikes. Putting aside the fact that little children say, I want to be a fireman, I want to be a policeman. As we get older, we know that there are things about our lives that we really like. Our, our person likes music. He right. says, I was born to be a musician. I take it up. What that is, is, is like for music and his inherent capacity to be able to play music well. That comes from his previous vasanas. Right. Many of these people have been born with musical abilities from a previous life and skill. So he likes it. That's his swadharma. Swa means himself, dharma, his, his own likes. Those are the only likes that you should give in to. Right? Before I said don't give in to your likes and dislikes. Right. But you must give in to your swadharma. If you say, well, I was born to be a musician, but my mother and father told me I have to be an engineer, right. you're going to be miserable as an engineer because you keep wanting to be a musician. Those likes and dislikes you should give in to in your swadharma. Only thing is, again, use your intellect to do it to the right for the right reasons and to a certain, the right extent. Right. So... That is your swadharma. So now that is verse 64. Um, and verse 65. When your mind is controlled by the intellect, you are in peace. You are peaceful. The verse says, in peace, all his sorrows are destroyed. In peace, all his sorrows are destroyed. The intellect of the tranquil-minded soon will become steady. So when your mind is controlled by the intellect, you are at peace, you're peaceful. Otherwise, if it's not controlled by the intellect, it's basically being controlled by the emotions and desires of the mind. Right. So the mind says, she said a cruel thing about me. Yeah. He said a cruel thing about me. He doesn't like me. She doesn't like me. And you get agitated by that. You're not peaceful. I lost money in the stock market. Yeah. That disturbs you. I didn't make as much money as I thought I was going to make in this. My boss didn't do this. You know, those kind of emotions coming from the mind bother you. Or, again, the five senses. When the mind is agitated, you cannot think. When you cannot think, you cannot act. So when you cannot act, your whole purpose is spiraling downwards. Right. The... Stress is nothing but an uncontrolled mind. So when your mind is out of control, and that's an important thing to keep in mind, that stress is nothing but an uncontrolled mind. And when your mind is controlled by the intellect, you are at peace, you're peaceful. So a surgeon has operated many, many times doing a particular complicated surgery. When he's not attached, when his mind is not disturbed, He's doing the same surgery. He can actually speak about his vacation. He can whistle. He can hum. He can talk to the nurses and the anesthesiologist. He's doing it almost without even thinking about the surgery because he's done it thousands of times. Right. But imagine that his loved one is on the table. Yeah. His only child. 
his hands are shaking because he doesn't want to make a mistake. Right. He's nervous. He's sweating. People start to make conversation. He says, don't talk. I, I, I got to concentrate. Right. Why? He can do this blindfolded other times. The reason is because his mind is agitated. And he's, so the intellect, if it has it completely under control, then these things don't happen. The right. example that Swamiji gives is of a man walking on a plank, a small plank, nine inches wide. He says, can you walk across this? He says, sure. He puts one foot in front of the other and he goes from one side to the other. How difficult was it? Not difficult at all. Now put the same plank <laughs> between two skyscrapers right. and say, okay, you did it down there. Let's do you do. You can't okay. because your mind is fearful. So a strong intellect gives you both peace and prosperity, not just peace. It gives you both peace and prosperity. Mm -hmm. And why is that? Is because when your mind is peaceful, your intellect is peaceful, your intellect can concentrate better without the distractions of the underlying mind. And when you can concentrate better, you act better, you think better, and you're able to achieve more. Right. And the last session verse for this is, for this session is verse 66, which says there's neither knowledge nor meditation for the unsteady. Neither knowledge nor meditation for the unsteady. And to the unmeditative, there is no peace. Therefore, to the peaceless, how can there be happiness? It's basically self-explanatory that where there is knowledge, knowledge of the self, knowledge of these things that we're talking about, you can control your senses, therefore you can meditate. But if you're unsteady, there's neither knowledge nor meditation. And to those people who don't have this, to the unmeditative, there is no peace. There's constant agitation, as we said before, right. the mind is constantly having these things. And to those who are without peace, how can there be happiness? Because happiness, as we said before, can only come when your mind and your intellect is at peace. Right. So, friends, thank you. I hope you found this of importance. And the next time what we're going to be talking about is how the mind can take away the intellect when it is, uh, and, and, and that is described very well in a poem that Swami Parthasarthi um, uh, talks about called The Pond. And if you want to look at it, it talks about a duck uh, and, and uh, it's, uh, ducklings versus a hen and the hen goes away and the little chick says it says don't go in the water and the chick says why not the <laughs> intellect of the chick says why not i can swim just like those ducklings can and makes a mistake and drowns hmm. um and that's the pond uh this poem and basically we all have the same kind of thing where our intellects makes you know, the mind carries it away with it. Mm -hmm. And when it does that, the intellect says, eh, it justifies wrong actions. And it says why it should do it. And when that happens, it is held hostage. The intellect is held hostage by the mind without it even knowing about Ooh, it. Rationalization. We'll talk about that next time. Right, rationalization. Yeah. Thanks so much, Lou. Thank you so much for joining us, uh, friends. We'll see you next time. And hopefully... Lou will tell you how to leave comments on Facebook for us. Yeah, find our podcast wherever you're listening now, but head on over to the Facebook page, The Gita Memoirs of a Psychiatrist. Leave comments for us. Uh, say hi, and let's talk about this a little bit more. Thank you. Thank you.